Welcome to today's issues. Join us for the next hour as we offer a Christian response to the issues of the day. And good Wednesday morning, everyone. Fred Jackson sitting in for Brother Tim today. And uh, joining me is the rest of the B team today, I guess. That's what we'll call ourselves. Alex McFarland joins us from beautiful downtown somewhere in North Carolina. Is that right, Alex? That's right. The Tar Heel State, North Carolina. Good morning. Good morning. Great to have you with us. And we also welcome Chris Woodward from uh, American Family News. Good morning. Glad to be back. Good to have you guys with us. Yes, the B team is here today. Uh, Tim and Ed and the rest of the gang are making their way back from the retreat. They had a good time. If you've been tuning in over the last couple of days, I had a wonderful time there uh, getting together with uh, many of our supporters and uh, at a beautiful retreat location there in Alabama. So they're heading back today, and Lord willing, they'll be back in studio tomorrow. So, guys, we're going to do our very best, yes. very best mm-hmm. to, to fill in for the for the A team, the regular team. And uh, But I tell you what, uh, regardless of what team is here, there's a lot of news mm-hmm. happening. Oh, my and, goodness. And yes. uh, so we, w- we want to bring you the latest. If you've been listening the last couple of days... We've been talking a lot about uh, a letter that was written from an organization, an umbrella group that represents school boards across the country. Now, we know in various locations across the country over the last couple of months, there have been some vigorous school board meetings. Uh, I'm thinking particularly Loudoun County mm-hmm. in Virginia uh, was one of the places, and uh, parents showing up, a couple of hundred parents some of these Loudoun County school district meetings, uh, among the things they're very concerned about, critical race theory being taught to their kids. Uh, in some locations, parents are showing up and saying, I don't want my kid wearing masks for seven, eight hours a day. My kid's only seven years old, mm-hmm. and this is not good for them. So various issues like that, which is kind of uh, the norm, the way things have been. Parents are concerned about something going on in their local schools. These elected school board members, you know, they're supposed to at least listen to the parents' concern and react to them because the school boards supposedly are there for the benefit of the parents and their kids. Well, what's happened is this body that represents these uh, school boards across the country wrote a letter to the Joe Biden Department of Justice and said, we're getting very concerned about these angry parents Uh, We'd like the Department of Justice to uh, intervene in this. In fact, in that letter, they use the term domestic terrorists. Mm -hmm. Referring to parents who might be concerned about what their kids are being taught has potentially uh, domestic terrorists. Well, okay, that's one thing for the letter to be written to the DOJ and asked, but now the DOJ, Department of Justice, and Attorney General Garland and says, sure. Uh, We're going to get the FBI involved with this. And I'll tell you what, sending in the FBI to monitor school board meetings and what parents are saying and who's saying what as far as a parent goes, uh, that has a lot of people upset, guys. Yes. And Chris, lead us into this and some of the reaction that we're getting in the last 24 hours. Yeah, as you would imagine, a lot of politicians are weighing in on this as well as uh, private citizens 
Uh, and we have a lot of uh, examples to bring in today. Let's begin with this. It's some fiery audio that you've probably already heard on a newscast uh, anchored by our Rusty Pew this morning. But here now is uh, Missouri Senator Josh Hawley talking yesterday about this DOJ investigation of parents. Clip four. You can't point to a single instance where anything like this has happened before. And I think parents across this country are going to be stunned to learn, stunned that if they show up at a local school board meeting, by the way, where they have the right to appear and be heard, and you are attempting to intimidate them, you are attempting to silence them, you are attempting to interfere with their rights as parents, and yes, with their rights as voters. This is wrong. This is dangerous. Now, you know, a lot of people could say, well, Republicans are trying to make this into a political issue. The midterm elections are not that far away. They want to try to get some of the headlines away from Joe Biden, who was in Michigan yesterday to talk about his Build Back Better plan. Uh, But talking about that issue today on Fox and Friends, Iowa Senator Joni Ernst, another Republican, said the GOP is not overreacting to this situation. Clip one. I think that the Justice Department is overreacting to this. I think that it is imperative that parents are involved in their school boards. And certainly if they disagree with what's being taught at the school, that is exactly why you have school board meetings. That's exactly why those parents should be out there expressing displeasure or support for what's going on in their schools. This is an overreach of the FBI and the federal government, and it is dangerous you know alex uh a lot of different reaction to this but it seems that in the biden administration there is this attitude that if people are out there publicly expressing uh, disagreement uh with policies public policies put forward by the left by democrats such as critical race theory that they are going to be painted as a danger to democracy. And and that seems to be the philosophy that's coming out of this Biden administration. Yeah, I mean, and and this is, what I'm about to say might sound like an overstatement, but it really is not. This is what Hitler did in Germany to the Jews. There was constant scapegoating of the Jewish people that eventually the public mindset was turned hostile toward the Jewish people. And in America, the way it's, it's working is that those of us that are constitutionalists, and we believe in the rule of law, we believe in our Constitution, and we believe in moral truth, um, parents that, you know, one of, one of the philosophers that most influenced the founders was John Locke, and John Locke said that it was the duty and the right of parents to know what their children were being taught. And not only did parents have the right to know about their child's education, really John Locke would say that parents have the duty to oversee it. But see, the left and and the government has to call parents domestic terrorists. The only way they can advance their Marxist agenda, because it is so counterintuitive and it is so against common sense and truth, they have to forcibly impose it on the population because um, no matter who you are, you know things like this just really aren't good and right and true. It's very unfortunate and certainly not appropriate in a constitutional free America. Chris, uh, parents are reacting to this as well. It's not just politicians. Yeah, indeed. Um, we have, uh, you know, we've We've all seen and heard clips uh, on this program and on television uh, shows that we watch of uh, parents, moms and dads weighing in on this. 
one example today is a uh, mother named Azra Nomani. She also works for an organization called Parents Defending Education, which is kind of a center-right organization to bring about uh, issues uh, that are going on in the uh, education system. But here now is Virginia mother Azra Nomani on Fox and Friends today saying the DOJ has effectively declared war on parents. Clip three. Oh, it's outrageous what the federal government is doing now. We have parents right now waking up from sea to shining sea to bring their children to school, to urge them into the day. And what has happened now is that the federal government and the National School Board Association has declared a war on parents. All we have done over the past year is stand up and speak up for children. It's unconscionable that the Federal Bureau of Investigation should even spend a minute thinking about us. We all reject violence, and all we want is to protect our kids, because we are parents. We are mama bears and papa bears. We are not domestic terrorists, and the government needs to get us uh, and working with them, and they need to listen to us. They need to stop demonizing us. Stop demonizing us. You know, one of the other things I've heard, Alex, uh, with regards to concerns about all of this, this is once again, much like the Obama administration did, this is a federal government stepping in to where constitutionally it does not belong. Education is a state right, is a state jurisdiction. Yeah. Well, uh, states' rights are something that the left likes to really speak negatively of these days, because, you know, you've got to understand what these progressives envision is just this massive federal government. And all in all, look, we're seeing a, a, an unparalleled era where people are being controlled, or at least attempted to be controlled, and, and removing parents' voice from the discourse about local education and federalizing education. You remember Hillary Clinton wanted to federalize public education because uh, they, they don't want an informed, critical-thinking populace. They really don't. You know, it's interesting, uh, Chris, when uh, we had the Obama White House, uh, Michelle Obama was basically dictating the menu for cafeterias. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's was, true. There was That's a really threat to remove federal funding from schools unless you had an apple and an orange and a piece of celery on that on that tray. Yeah, and that really has continued under this current administration. Uh, the Biden administration is being hammered, and understandably so, for telling governors like Arizona's Doug Ducey, uh, not Doug Ducey, uh, Arizona's governor, hmm. um, that uh, you cannot do certain things with federal COVID funds if you're going to do it uh, involving things against masks, yeah. mask mandates, mm -hmm. uh, stuff like yeah. that. It really is a problem where the federal government is withholding taxpayer funds from people like those in Arizona or some other state saying you can't have your money back to do what it is that you want to do if we don't agree with what it is that you're using it for. And um, talking about state Extortion. rights there, Democrats only like states' rights when there's a Republican in the Oval Office. Hmm. For example, uh, Donald Trump, uh, you know, he wanted to do a lot of things um, against so-called sanctuary cities. And you had people like Governor Gavin Newsom say, well, we're going to fight you on this. And he was applauded for it uh, and even hailed as a state's rights hero. When it's the other way around and a hmm. Republican governor or maybe even just a purple state uh, tries to fight something that's going on in Washington from a Democrat, 
all of a sudden states' rights becomes a negative, like Alex said, and you're labeled a racist, you're backward, um, you know, a bigot. I got to tell you, um, I'm I'm very curious to see how the Department of Justice will come down on an issue where a liberal parent really gets verbal against a conservative school board member. You know, there are places, uh, not just in Mississippi where we are located or Texas, but there are places where there are conservative, maybe even uh, people of faith that are on school boards that try to rule that way, uh, govern that way as a school board member. And I really doubt uh, the Department of Justice is going to look into a situation where a liberal parent chastises somebody for being concerned about um, curriculum on race and gender, uh, when a, when a liberal racism. When a liberal parent opposes conservatism, they're principled mm-hmm. and courageous. Right. Mm-hmm. When, when a conservative parent challenges the Marxist progressive agenda, they're a domestic terrorist. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, isn't though this this policy now that's being put in place by the Department of Justice, <clears throat> by the way, Department of Justice is now headed by Attorney General Garland. Mm-hmm. You... He was almost on the United States Supreme Court. He was, and he was labeled True. a moderate. Yes. Uh, I, I, I think we're seeing the concern that was raised about him. We're seeing it being manifested mm-hmm. in the way he's running the Department of Justice now. But, Alex, I, I wanted to get your comments. You have this case now of wanting to come down on parents who disagree with left-wing policy like critical race theory being taught. But also, I think it's the same kind of thinking that we're seeing coming out of the Biden administration with regards to those who don't agree that everybody must get the shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, some mm-hmm. people call it a vaccination. It's really not a vaccination. It's a shot. It's an injection. And, um, you know, Joe Biden is getting out there and saying it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Right. Well, the science mm-hmm. isn't showing that, Alex. Yeah. You know, the science is starting to show that there's a problem even with people who have been gotten two shots mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. now they're getting boosters and there's medical problems associated with that. Some of these people are getting COVID once again, but it's about punishing. And now we've got these vaccine mandates uh, that are going on and the federal government threatening any company with more than 100 employees uh, that we're going to start fining you if you don't force your employees to get vaccinated. It is the same kind of mentality. You get in line with us or we are going to make your life miserable. Well, and, you know, it's conservatives that the left always uh, calls us, quote, science deniers. Yes, flat earthers. But, yeah, let me throw something out here. And this this is going to go back 27 years. But there was a, a man named Stephen Jay Gould, G-O-U-L-D, and he was in the Department of Education during the Clinton years. Um, and he once said, shortly before he died, and, and Gould, along with several others that were in the Clinton Department of Education, were just insistent, you have to teach evolution. You cannot talk about intelligent design or creation, and we will withhold federal funding. Again, more of the left extortion. It's uh, viewpoint indoctrination by extortion. We will withhold your money if you don't go along with our line. Well, Gould was just insistent that only education uh, include Darwinian evolution. All right, but here is something that he said, and, and this relates to science regarding masks, vaccines, human-caused climate change, whatever. Stephen Jay Gould, regarding evolution, said that 
Darwin and Darwin's followers and us today, we have to win with rhetoric what we cannot carry with data. Mm. This, is, this is a quote I use in a lot of my presentations. Now, now think about this. A militant secularist, an evolutionist, an atheist who hated God, and a man that along with the Clinton Department of Education believed we have to remake the country through the public school classroom. Stephen Jay Gould said, we win with rhetoric what we cannot carry with data. Now, that's a huge admission because, listen, um, the, the, the true science doesn't support the masks. In fact, I, I read one Nobel laureate out of Europe who says all this mask wearing has done precisely nothing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and yet the conservatives are called the science deniers. And guys, I'll say this, and I'll throw it to you guys. In Isaiah chapter 5, because I believe my point here, fundamentally we are in a spiritual battle. Yeah. I mean, fundamentally, Isaiah 5 warns of a time where they will call good evil and evil good. Mm-hmm. And we're living in a time where people call false true and true false. Um, we, we who believe in life and marriage and morals are called evil. And, and I don't say this to get discouraged or be resigned, far from it, but we need to understand what type of a struggle we're in. And I would say for our country... And for our future, fundamentally, we are in a spiritual struggle. Yeah, I'm, I'd like you to expand on that a little bit, because some people may say, okay, how, how does this debate over public policy uh, equate to a spiritual battle? I, I just want to throw something out there. There is a real press by the left for more centralized control over the whole country, which certainly goes against uh, those who brought us a constitution that that took the took this country in a totally different direction from the countries from which they fled. Can you talk about that a little bit, Alex? Well, America for, you know, more than 240 years, I mean, we have been the world leader in of of course things like benevolence and philanthropy and literacy and just the betterment of the human condition, but we have been a leader in what we Christians call the great commission. I mean, really. I mean, America, in, in the last thousand years of world history and a, thousand, a millennia of church history, America has been at the forefront of world evangelization. That's why Satan hates this nation. And th- there are many people that are—they they don't know it, but they're pawns in a battle of, of spiritual darkness versus, versus spiritual light. Now, why we should care— uh, is because uh, if you're a Christian, ultimately the preservation of the U.S. Constitution means the preservation of our rights to free speech and freedom of worship and freedom of religious expression. Now, i got to tell you, if uh, the parents are domestic terrorists and we conservatives are the deplorables, then yeah, I used to say this for shock. I'd say, well, then Thomas Jefferson and John Adams and Benjamin Franklin and George Washington and uh, Benjamin Rush and John Witherspoon and Patrick Henry, they would have also been deplorables because mm-hmm. if we conservative Christians, if we believe in liberty and we're the bad guys, then America's founders, uh, they too would be the bad guys. Well, used to be people would say, oh my goodness, you're right. Nowadays, listen, I've had college students go, yeah, they are bad. This is why it's such a a, a tenuous moment because uh, like one of the people you quoted earlier, 
you know, that they want America burn down the house and let's rebuild it. Mm-hmm. That that is a tragedy of of world magnitude. The death of America, the greatest nation in history. My goodness. Um, but but you've got to understand we've we've been for roughly fifty years, we've had public education and public figures that denigrated America. We've got several generations that have never seen America loved and cherished, and they've just been coached. First of all, they don't understand America, uh, but they've just been coached to loathe America, and um, we're almost at a tipping point where there's this majority disdain for what the USA has been about. Yes. Chris, I I think one of the other problems, too, is that we're seeing uh, uh, a lot of young people uh, are advocates for what the Biden administration is trying to do. But I think a lot of young people haven't been taught the consequences of a centralized socialist type government. Mm-hmm. I mean, all they're seeing is bright lights. Right. They're not mm-hmm. seeing the Venezuelas and the Cubas, the results of that kind of centralized big government control over your life attitude. Yeah, I think the media is, you know, this sounds like uh, just kind of a low-hanging fruit uh, scapegoat, but I think the media is largely to blame for that, mainstream media, Mm. because what happens is they'll bring on a news clip or a snippet of a comment from an AOC or a Senator Bernie Sanders, the independent who likes to be Democrat when there's a presidential election. Mm -hmm. That's how I like Mm -hmm. to identify him. Um, But, you know, they they bring out all these... uh, news interviews where they go on a, a place that's not going to challenge them on anything, and they, they air only the sound bites where socialism sounds great. Mm. Um, and you don't really get the Venezuelas. It's only on a Fox News on occasion, or maybe a Newsmag, certainly OAN, where you do get the socialism is not what you think it is, people, kind of comments. And, um, you know, AOC or somebody is going to be snarky back in response to those things, and then she gets heralded a, a champion of uh, worker freedoms and rights and all these other things. And so I think a lot of the reason why people, especially uh, my age and younger, millennials and Gen Z, uh, think socialism is great is because they only get half of the story. And uh, really the news outlets that they choose to follow or the news feeds that they look at on social media only give you the positive side, uh, the the half-truth. They don't get the whole truth, which I think is all the more reason why uh, you should take the time to listen to our newscast, visit our website, and really get the, this is what these people are saying, but this is what the other group is telling you that you're not going to see on other news platforms. Alex, I think, too, that parents, I think what is happening, and this is why parents have been showing up in Loudoun County, uh, Fairfax County in Virginia, uh, they're showing up because the pandemic did one good thing at least. It allowed them to see what their kids were being taught because the kids were at home, they were looking at a screen mm-hmm. of a teacher uh, giving instruction, and they found out. And this is, and the parents are t- are saying this. We found out what our kids are really learning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but I think it's it's parents have got. I hope it's a wake up call. You need to find out what your kids are being taught. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's a responsibility of parents. They need to know what's going into their hearts and minds. You know, Martin Luther, I don't mean to take us into history so much, but Martin Luther said, moms and dads, the very soul of your child is in your hands, and we've only got a little window of time to influence it for God and truth. Amen. It is a battle for truth. Hey, guys, when we come back, 
I, I want to continue this theme because yesterday Joe Biden went to Michigan to sell his Build Back Better, his $3.5 trillion plus package. And I, I want to deal a little bit with that, show you a little bit of that speech or listen a little bit of that speech, but then bring you the facts, which he didn't deal with yesterday when it comes to uh, the quality of education our kids are getting and how much we're spending on education and what we're getting for all that taxpayer's money that is being spent. You're listening to Today's Issues. Fred, Chris, and Alex, we're back right after the break. As followers of Christ, we are on mission. We're to share that gospel with people we come in contact with. Pastor Bert Harper. Bert Harper. That's what God wants to do. He wants to use you for his glory as a faithful servant. So when you come before him, he can say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Exploring Missions, Saturday afternoons at 2.30 Central and Sundays at 1 on American Family Radio. You know, when Matthew 19, the the scripture records a Pharisee trying to test Jesus concerning marriage, and Jesus responded, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. In the beginning, the first institution God created was the family. Marriage is the centerpiece of family. As a husband and father myself, let me tell you, marriage is absolutely wonderful. And we want to encourage and educate people to embrace God's design as the fundamental building block for all of human civilization and to celebrate the lifelong union of one man and one woman as the objective institution that produces human flourishing. Tune in to By Design as we explore God's true purpose and design for marriage. Just visit the podcast page at AFR.net. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. Hi, this is Todd Starnes, and I want to invite you and your family to join me for a weekend at one of the nation's premier firearms training centers. It's the Patriot Academy Constitutional Defense Course, hosted by America's Constitution Coach Rick Green. Rapid-fire constitutional training in the classroom and real-time gun training on the range. Mark your calendars now, November 28th, three- and five-day options available. To sign up, go to patriotacademy.com backslash Todd Starnes, patriotacademy.com backslash Todd Starnes. From Putnam County, Tennessee, comes word of a war on prayer. Football coaches at two high schools targeted by Americans United for separation of church and state, a radical left-wing group that wants to remove God from the public marketplace. They were angered to learn coaches had joined football players on the field for a post-game prayer. The school district issued a speedy response the coaches would no longer be able to pray. The sad reality is in the United States of America, A football coach is allowed to take a knee to protest the flag, but he cannot take a knee to pray to Almighty God. But the football team would not be bullied by the out-of-town agitators, so on Friday night, the teenage boys gathered on the field after the game and on bended knee did what their coaches could not. As one football fan noted, Satan's power was defeated that night. You can read more about this story at toddstarns.com. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, 
yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. 1 Peter 3, 14 through 16. American Family Radio. This is today's issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. And welcome back to this Wednesday edition of today's issues. Fred Jackson sitting in with Chris Woodward and uh, Alex McFarlane from North Carolina. Whereabouts North Carolina is it? Greensboro, North Carolina, Greensboro. right in the middle of the state. Right in the middle of the state, uh, and a beautiful state it is. You know, Alex, you mentioned, you quoted someone just a few moments ago, uh, contrasting rhetoric with fact. Uh, just give us that again. Yeah, Stephen Jay Gould, who was in the Clinton uh, Department of Education, regarding evolution, but it goes to how the left handles almost any subject. He said, we have to win with rhetoric what we cannot carry with data. Hmm. That's a huge admission, isn't it? It is, and it's it's interesting that you bring that up because yesterday, uh, President Joe Biden went to Michigan uh, to try to sell his Build Back Better uh, program. Now he had a he had a friendly audience in front of him. Uh, the governor of Michigan is a dyed in the wool left wing Democrat. Uh, Gretchen Whitmer. Gretchen Whitmer. Oh, yes. Did he call her the wrong Draconian. name again? Uh, no, he had that one <laughs> nailed down. Uh, but also he had uh, union workers surrounding him and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, in that speech, he, he, one of the reasons he tried to give to justify spending at least $3.5 trillion on his socialist program, and most analysts are looking at it and they're saying, no, it's going to be 5 to $7 trillion dollars. By the mm. time it's done. One of the points that the president tried to make was we need to spend these billions or trillions of extra dollars because our kids are not getting a good education compared to other countries like China, like Japan, like Germany. We're falling behind, he said. Have a listen to it. Here, here's the president in his own words. According to one study, we rank 33 out of 44 advanced economies when it comes to the percentage of our young people who have attained a post-high school degree. Anything after high school. We're at the bottom of the heap. My Build Back Better, Build Back Better plan gets us back on track. We'll make four additional years of public education available to every person in America. Two years of high-quality preschool at the front end, and investments in community colleges so our students can gain skills they need to carve out a place for themselves in the 21st century economy. All right. Did he um, say economy? Hey, <laughs> uh, I, I, do, does that uh, bill for education include classes on diction and pronunciation? <laughs> I don't Malarkey. <laughs> Malarkey. <laughs> yes. Well, listen, I, I decided, you know, when I listened to that speech, I said, wait a minute. Over the last couple of years, we've been doing stories on how much money taxpayers are spending per student mm -hmm. in this country. I want you to listen to this, folks. This is uh, a press release that came out in May of this year. According to new annual survey of school system finances uh, tables released today by the U.S. Census Bureau, okay? 
This is where it comes from. The U.S. Census Bureau, per pupil spending for elementary and secondary public education, that's pre-K through 12th grade, for all 50 states and the District of Columbia increased by 5% to $13,187 per pupil during the 2019 fiscal year. And that's up over 2018. It's only been increasing. So that's that's an average across the country of just over 13000 per student in our public education system. Now, what's really interesting, in some places, like in New York State, it's over 20000 per student. I think in Massachusetts, it was actually over 30000 per student. Now, I, I, I went and I compared that to other countries. Now, Joe Biden was saying their education system is superior to ours. Japan spends far less money per student than we do. Mm. Germany spends far less money than we do. Uh, some of the big countries... Of course, Joe Biden is not going to tell you this, but what Joe Biden was admitting yesterday, we're spending, and here are the facts, not the rhetoric, we're spending far more money on our students, and our product is worse than countries that are spending far less. Yeah, and and Fred, let me say this. You know, if, if our public education is uh, so subpar and turning out an inferior end result, uh, let's let's remind everybody that for four and a half to five decades, the teachers' unions have had a stranglehold on the public school classroom. Right. I mean, I could so- tell you stories. I wrote an article for the Billy Graham magazine about two years ago about parents that went to a school board meeting in western North Carolina, and for months, uh, the local school board and the teachers did their utmost to prevent parents from attending school board meetings. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. Um, in, if we've got to spend all this money because our kids are not getting a good education, well, let's look at who's had a stranglehold on public education for decades, and that's the teachers' unions and the Democrat Party. Yeah. Two things stand out to me here. Um, one, I don't know that the education system itself is really focused as much as educating kids as they should be. The reason I say that, and you've probably seen memes like this on Facebook or some other social media platform, we went from flight to the moon in 66 years. And 50 some odd years later, we're now worried about where kids go to the bathroom and which sports team they compete on. Yes. Okay. And whether we address them as... Her, right. Him. Yeah. And there's him. Yeah. By the way, my pronouns are hams and beans. But anyway, <laughs> um, so I don't know that there is enough of a mentality of let's educate the kids going on in the education system itself. Number two, there needs to be more parents that put an emphasis on education inside their classroom so that way they can make sure their child is prepared for the classroom so the teacher doesn't have to spend an extra amount of time on that kid in addition to having to deal with all the other kids going on in the probably crowded classroom. We talk about Japan there. One of the reasons why Japan excels at education is because that is a society that really focuses on education, making sure your kid knows what's going on, what they need in life, what it is they can do when they become an adult. We don't do that. There's not enough people in America that do that. I understand that moms and dads are probably underwater They're working a couple of jobs. They're worried about the bills. They're trying to stay healthy. All of these things. There needs to be more parents that make sure Johnny and Susie are prepared for tomorrow's lessons so that way the teacher 
one teacher in a room of 30 kids doesn't have to spend a ton of time on that particular kid. If you, if more people focused on education and made sure that their kids were ready for tomorrow's lessons, it would help the teacher tremendously and the classroom itself would not get behind. You know, one of the problems, Alex, is, is that, uh, I think our education system, and I'm speaking in general here, I know mm -hmm. there are some fantastic Christian teachers in the public school system. I'm aware of that. They are doing yeah. the very best that they can. The problem is the structure right now. But there are school districts, and I'm thinking, I believe it's Oakland School District, where there was a story in, the, in recent months where uh, Oakland School District, if you say 2 plus 2 equals 4, you're racist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then there was another school district, and I saw a video of this just in the last couple of weeks. They're doing away with an F grade. In other words, yeah. nobody can fail. The bottom percentage is like you get 50% mm -hmm. whether you just show up for five minutes of class a day. So this, this has become the norm. We're worried about offending people. But the crime in all of this, Alex, is someday these kids got to go out in the real world. Yeah where this kind of nonsense doesn't exist. If you go into business, two plus two still has got to equal four. Yeah. A good yeah. example of that, and we covered this a month or two ago, however long it's been, you get this new law in Oregon that suspended a requirement for a basic skills test in math, reading, and writing to graduate high school. Yeah. Good luck getting a job at the Nike factory if you can't read and write. Yeah. Yeah. Alex? Uh, well, you know, the reason that we're falling behind and the reason that students really don't know things is because we've replaced the quest for truth with social engineering and indoctrination. And, you know, the, the 85-cent word is relativism. You know, relativism means there is no truth, there's just opinion. And so it, it is very sad. You know, the countries that are, that are leaving us in the dust— it's not that they had more resources or a better advantage. It's that they have this quest to learn truth. Mm. And we're here in America, you know, we're philosophizing and trying to get in touch with our feelings. And every, you know, every kid gets a trophy merely for showing up rather than the quest for truth. And I know, look, I know there are Christians and valiant teachers in classrooms they're doing their utmost they're like the the voice crying in the wilderness so in my critique of public schools you know i i do my mother my sister two sisters-in-laws are all pub, public educators and devout christians and i do i get some of the inside scoop of what goes on with the um you know basically the philosophical battles over curriculum and things like that and I know there are some Christians in public education, and God bless you, but by and large, because the education lobby and the Democrat Party for 50 years have been um, relativists, that they don't believe in moral truth, they really don't believe in intellectual truth, and it's, it's gone on long enough that we've got generations of schoolchildren that haven't learned history or science as truth, but they've learned ideology. Yeah. Amen. Uh, truth and ideologies are two different things. Yeah, that is one of the reasons why um, I personally like am uh, sympathetic to the, the stories about, you know, I can't afford to put my kid in private school. I can't afford to quit my job and stay home and homeschool my kids. Uh, while those things are good and should be considered, you know, um, there are some parents who have no other choice for whatever reason, 
we can't go into every one of them, time permitting, on this show. Uh, and I think it's it it is all the more reason that you know even if you have kids in a private or a religious school system, you should care about and pay attention to the issues involving the public school students because those kids might be the one running your state or town in the coming future. And if they're being taught a bunch of gobbledygook, um, they're mm. going to try to grow up and use those kinds of things. So I don't, I wouldn't say, you know, completely abandon the uh, the public school system. Go to those school board meetings. Now, you might get investigated nowadays, <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's probably some senators out there like a Josh Holly or whatnot that would defend you tooth and nail. And, you know, we've all heard statements from people like uh, Senator Rand Paul saying they can't arrest everybody. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I, I, I don't think... The, uh, the situation with the DOJ investigating parents is going to scare people away. It probably will reduce the number of uh, people that want to show up at a school board meeting. But by and large, and we've seen the videos, Fred, we've played the clips in this program, Alex, a lot of what people are confronting school board members about is not violent. Now, I've not seen every video. I've not heard every speech. There probably is some unruliness that goes on at these meetings. But by and large, it is a citizen engaging his or her government officials over what's going on, which is your constitutional right. And if you don't agree with it, it doesn't matter because that person still has the right to use his or her First Amendment freedoms to engage with his uh, government. Well, I think Democrat uh, candidate for the uh, governor of Virginia, Terry McAuliffe, who used to be governor of Mm -hmm. the state, he's now running for governor again in that state. Uh, I, I think he got a lot of attention, and rightly so, to the statement he made at a debate, what was it two weeks ago now? A debate there where he said parents have no place. Have no place telling the school system what their kid, what the kids should be taught. It was, I believe, Terry McAuliffe was speaking what he believes. Oh yeah. Now it was shocking to hear a politician running for office admit to that mm-hmm. that parents, you need to keep your mouth shut and just leave it up to the school system. Uh, I, I think he's going to maybe pay a price uh, at the uh, at the ballot box in just a few weeks. we got to move on to another story. But just to go back to Joe Biden saying we need to spend more money on education, listen to this from the same press release I was referring to just a few moments ago. State governments contributed the greatest share, 46.7% or $350.9 billion dollars of public school funding in fiscal year 2019. That's almost half of every tax dollar that's being paid to go into the public school system. So don't believe Joe Biden when he talks about we need more money in order to educate our kids better. No, sir. Uh, You're getting lots of money. What you do need to do is go back to truly educating our kids. Chris, go ahead. All right. Well, let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit because this is a situation that is going on everywhere. This is just one example that I'm about to give you. We've all seen signs outside businesses, restaurants saying we're hiring. Maybe they're even offering great pay and benefits far above what you might be used to seeing at a uh, restaurant. Uh, Sign on bonus. Yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. I've even heard of uh, a place that was offering uh, like insurance for your pet if you come on board. Uh, and, and, and work there. But here's the issue that I'm bringing into uh, the situation. You got an issue where uh, workers are have walked off the job. They haven't come back because they've been sitting at home getting extra money to stay at home. Uh, and meanwhile, because of COVID-19, uh, you've had a lot of uh, staff uh, issues where supplies are not being made or not being made enough. 
to go out and everybody uh, to purchase them and use them in their business, what have you. There is a donut chain based in the Midwest, Lamar Donuts. Uh, they're famous for uh, all kinds of tasty donuts, um, and donuts are biblical because fried cakes are mentioned in the Bible. But anyway. <laughs> Amen. Um, Amen. Lamar Donuts is raising prices to offset costs and labor shortages. Talking about this today on Fox & Friends, Lamar Donuts Communications Director Ron King said staffing and price of ingredients and materials is a problem in every industry. Clip 11. We did get PPP loans and we put it all towards payroll. It, kept, it helped, helped us keep a lot of people employed. I will say this, when the uh, pandemic started in the spring of 2020, a lot of people stopped coming to work. Uh, they didn't want to risk anything. Right. Furthermore, we had to cut back on staffing for social distancing and a lot of people have not returned to those jobs. So we're working virtually in every store with less than ideal staff. The price of our ingredients have increased 40% since 2019 and on top of that Whoa. one of those ships out there off the coast of california is loaded with paper products so we don't do not have lamar's branded cups uh, napkins uh, boxes and bags we're having to use you know white plain bags and boxes to put donuts in it's a big problem did, did he say his raw material Percentage increase in 40% has yes. gone up 40%? Yes. Are we talking flour? Well, yeah, we're talking flour. You're talking sugar. You're talking uh, other things that they might use, uh, chocolate, uh, sprinkles, all kinds of stuff. And, you know, you think, well, you know, big deal. It's a donut company. That's one example. If you've been to a home improvement store, may the Lord be with you trying to buy some lumber. Okay. I, I know. Um, you know, and Rusty Pugh had this story uh, at the top of the hour. Um, gas prices are up. Just to give you an example, today's national average for a gallon of regular, $3.22. One year ago, a gallon of regular on average was $2.18. And he, okay, it's a dollar. But that's a dollar that didn't go to spend some, that didn't go towards something else. Yes. Don't yeah. get me, don't get me started on that, guys. You, you have it, you now have a president. Who remember? Uh, he wasn't in office twenty four hours. He killed Keystone. Mm -hmm. He yeah. has he stopped any new exploration, and now he's going mm -hmm. uh, hat in hand to OPEC, saying, "Please, please lower the price of a barrel of oil." Right. All right. It, gas prices are going up. Alex, I don't know what it is, but it seems that the left wingers, when they get in office, are bound and determined to drive a country into the ground. Well, let me say this, and maybe, uh, you know, 90 cents a dollar a gallon, that might not sound like much, but here uh, this will be maybe a little more relatable. If you buy a, a gallon, I mean, a tank of gasoline a week, and most people on average, I suppose, would fill up once a week, right? Mm -hmm. That means you're going to spend roughly 1300 to 1500 more a year in gas, the average family. Now, people, you know, some people with their job, they travel quite a bit more, mm -hmm. but I mean, hey... At our thirteen hundred, fifteen hundred a year, that's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's a lot of money. And, and understand things like the Keystone Pipeline getting killed, and you know, un, under President Trump, I mean, we were energy independent. I know. Listen, I spoke all over the Gulf region down in Texas, where they were. I saw uh, barrels of oil stockpile. We were actually selling oil to other countries like England. Mm -hmm. Not only energy independent, mm -hmm. but we were, you know, as a country, able to sell petroleum. Right. Uh, but understand the left is against that because uh, the environment, mm -hmm. you know, alleged 
snail darters or spotted owls or, or peppered moths always take precedence over human beings. Sure. One example um, that uh, I think has gotten lost in the coverage of all the boondoggle things that the Biden administration and his supporters uh, has done uh, several months ago, the administration told our allies over in Europe, hey, why don't you guys go after the minerals and metal, metals that uh, we're going to need over here to build uh, electric cars mm-hmm. and electric car engines and components and things like that. If you are not aware of this, the United States of America, praise God, is the Saudi Arabia of minerals and metals. We are oh, sitting on true. an untold vast amount of all kinds of stuff that American workers, including Democrats that vote for Joe Biden, could be digging up uh-huh. and creating countless jobs, and that could be creating jobs, all this stuff. So it's not just the oil issue. It's it's going for the things that we're going to need to be that next uh, generation America that he wants us to be, uh, all to please some environmentalists that don't want us harming our landscapes. You're much better off having America go after those things than China, who doesn't give a rip about people and conditions. I know, I know. Or the environment. Or the environment. Next story, Chris. I got a little fired up there, and I interrupted Alex. (laughs) That's okay. Forgive me, brother. (laughs) No, you're you're on. Well, uh, let's mention this because it's certainly uh, something that's going to be covered a lot. Uh, There's a lot going on in D.C. today. Uh, The Senate, for example, they're— haggling over uh, a procedural rule that's going to allow a measure suspending the debt limit uh, until December of 2022, so after the midterm elections. Hmm. Uh, They're going to be debating this and trying to get it to uh, come to the floor. Here's where it gets interesting. Senate Republicans, mainly uh, Mitch McConnell and others, are saying, we're not increasing the borrowing limit. You people have got to rein in spending. We've got to get together. We've got to cut this and that, get rid of waste, fraud, and abuse. The common stuff we all hear about uh, on occasion from Republicans uh, but if anyone objects to this rule, it's going to require 60 votes to overcome the filibuster. And the way the political makeup is right now uh, in the Senate, there's not enough people to get 60 votes. So even if um, you know this has some support today, it looks like we're going to be still hearing uh, people like Chuck Schumer and others criticizing Republicans for not wanting to uh, extend our borrowing power and pay our bills and we've got to look good for our creditors and all this other stuff. Uh, and it really kind of put, it really kind of puts Republicans on the spot as to whether or not they're actually going to hold the line here. Uh, and then of course, is this going to come back to haunt them come the midterm elections because they're going to get raked over the coals for not wanting to keep parks open and people getting their government checks and all these other things that, uh, we tend to see, uh, and hear about during moments of, uh, debt, Crises. Well, here's a yeah, but, and Alex will get you to comment on this. Yeah, but Mitch McConnell, uh, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, is is playing this one right mm. because he came out yesterday again and reminded people. He's saying to the Democrats, "You want to raise the debt limit? You've got the number of votes to do it." Here's the thing: the Democrats don't want to use that reconciliation vote. They don't want they don't want to mm-hmm. use the reconciliation vote because they're saving it for the monster 3.5 socialist package that Joe Biden wants to press through. Uh, they're not telling you this. Joe Biden gets out there the other day and says it's shameful. Republicans and Democrats down through the years have always voted in unison to raise the debt limit. Well, somebody pointed out yesterday three times during the Bush administration, Joe Biden voted against raising the debt limit. So once again, uh, I'm not sure if there's a problem with Joe Biden's memory that he forgets what he was doing 
he forgets what he's doing yesterday, let alone, I guess, mm-hmm. forgets what he was doing four or five years ago. But uh, once again, folks, Alex, people have got to educate themselves on the facts because they're not going to get that from the mainstream media. No. And uh, aren't you weary of the fact that our leaders go to Washington and rather than voting and legislating for the common good, mm. it's always political opportunism? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, you know, I, I just, I, I, frankly, I pray for leaders that would um, do what is good and right and constitutional and godly rather than just uh, what is politically expedient. And guys, I want to say, you know, we are a representative republic. Uh, Lincoln talked about government of the people, by the people, and for the people. Um, There might be somebody listening, and the Lord might move on you to run for office somewhere, Mm. fellow patriot. Mm -hmm. So uh, we need people that are about principle, not opportunity and leverage. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, there's one good thing, I think, coming out of all of this. We've been talking about school board meetings and parents. I'm hearing across the country that parents are saying, because they're so disgusted with what's going on, they're finding out what their kids are being taught, they're deciding to run for office. You know, I, I think one of the most important offices in this country today, guys, is school board. Yeah. Amen. You know, because that's, that's where your kids start to learn things, bad or good. Right. And, uh, and having more people who are conservative in their points of view, hopefully with a Bible-based worldview, uh, on a school board is going to reap great benefits for us. All right, we got to take a little break here because when Brent starts to play the music, that's a <laughs> signal for us to say, kind of wrap it up for now. We're going to take a little break for news, and then we're going to come back with much, much more. Listening to today's issues, the Wednesday edition. Fred, Chris, thank you for being with thank us. Thank you. Alex is going to hang around for another half hour or so as we look at the news of the day. Don't get discouraged, folks. Jesus is still on the throne. Amen. But while we are here, we are to be salt and light. And really, that's what we're talking about. We're to be salt when it comes to public policy like this <laughs> and to have a say. We're back after the break. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.